I was, cried. I was so angry. I, I didn't cry so because angry. it felt she was trying to make me cry, so therefore I wasn't going to give her the satisfaction. So I didn't. <laughs> Little indignant Dawn over here. No. <laughs> and Dawn, book club buddies who love to read YA fiction. We'll discuss the good, the bad, the ugly, and oh my gosh, we need to talk about this right now. I'm Ashley, the fantasy architect. And I'm Dawn, the criticizer of books. So grab something sweet or salty and join our universe. Hello everyone, thanks for coming back to the Novel Universe. Uh, Dawn and I are going to be discussing Blood and Honey, by Shelby Mahirin, which is book two in the Serpent and Dove trilogy. There are going to be spoilers and non-spoilers, but if you haven't read book one, you're going to want to hop out now because none of this is going to make any sense and it's going to be filled with a bunch of spoilers for you who has not read it. Um, And if you haven't read it, come back and read it. Listen to it and tell us what you think. Um, So, Don, what'd you give this book? Um, I gave it a one and a half. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah, maybe a two. Closer to a two. Okay. I, this book was agony. I, I had to read three chapters and put it away for three hours and read three more chapters because if I didn't do that, I would start skimming and I can't skim if I'm going to give like a review like a good review so yeah i had to do that all week so that is brutal oh my gosh wow okay so i gave this a three five five. um i could not give this book a four um i think because i loved book one so much Like, I gave book one a five. Like, book one was amazing. Like, I enjoyed every single bit of what was happening, and it was new, and it was exciting, and I was ready for book two. And book two is, it's your standard filler book. I thought that this was going to be a duology. So that was my bad, because (laughs) (laughs) I went into this thinking, like, we're going to get some closure, Everything is going to get summed up how it's supposed to be. I'm going to get a little bit of character sprinkle over here, a little bit more world building over here. And I did not realize until I was getting towards the end of this book that none of my questions were being answered because guess what? It's book two. Oh, no. So I was like having the same issue that you were having where I was like reading it and I'm like, is this just like trudging along? Like what is, what is going on? Why are we circling in all of these different areas? Come to find out it's a trilogy. So we're going to start with our dislikes. Um, I think for me, one of my biggest dislikes was the pacing. There is like this, there's a sense of urgency, yes, but was it necessary? Like, was it necessary for us to spend 10, you know, pages over with them, you know, in in the woods and they're hiding from Morgan and they're trying to get clearance to this other witch camp and, you know, then they get into the witch camp. Well, well now we're going to, you know, hop out again and we're going to go over here. And we're going to go. It was just, I, I felt that. Shelby was trying to make us feel this urgent need to get this task accomplished, but I did not like how it was done. Yes. That's not my biggest dislike, but that is one of them. My biggest dislike is that this is a familiar plot and she didn't do anything new to it. So this is your standard enemies have to come together to fight the bigger threat. Mm -hmm. I've seen this done better in Game of Thrones the Witcher, and I believe Lord of the Rings, isn't that? Well, they're all coming together to defeat, yeah. what is it? So, okay, yeah. So I've seen this already, and I've seen it done way better. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's nothing wrong with doing a familiar plot, you know, that's standard. All plots have been recycled. That's not a problem. But you have to do something different with the characters and the world. And I think she tried with the magic that she had in her world, with the balance 
and um, Magic and Balance, which I think that's canon. I think that's Magic canon, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So she still didn't do enough with that. She did some interesting stuff, but not enough. And I'll say more of that in a spoiler section. But the characters and their relationships were just not special or new. And that was pretty much the demise of this book for me. I've read this story already and I've read it way better. I agree with a lot with what you said there. <sighs> yeah. I, I think it goes into my, my second dislike, which is the, the growth of the characters. That was one of my biggest like hiccups in this book is that I had growth in some characters that I really didn't care two flips about. And then some other characters just remained very stagnant and some I didn't get anything from them. Um, and that was a shame because the scale of the growth of everyone, you know, they're they're all banding together, right? I felt like I got a little bit more of some secondary characters and not enough of others that I was really looking forward to. So yeah, I had the exact same problem. Um, I thought the character development was either underdeveloped or it was poorly written. So I don't know. We'll talk about Ansel in the spoiler section, but um, the King was a cartoon villain. I don't know what the hell that was. Bo, you know, he was your standard cheeky kind of guy. Um, I typically like that kind of guy, but he had potential because we got to hear a little bit about how he felt about his family, but then it was only one sentence, and then he just became a side character that was a throwaway. And Coco, Coco was pointless. And Jean-Luc, like, I really liked the Jean-Luc Reed um, Lou dynamic in the first book. I'm like, hmm, where is she going to go with this? Nothing. Nothing. And there's some characters that came back, and I'm like, what's the point? I thought we dropped them off back there. Like, why are they coming back in? And then nothing like you're making me get all excited about a few characters that came back in from the first book and then they just disappeared. Yeah. For me, that's a giant plot hole. Like, where did they go? Why are you making me excited about them? Why am I starting to have all these feelings about them again? I thought that this was old news, and now I'm paying attention to what's happening. And then all of a sudden, they just are, bloop, they just fell off the page. Girlfriend, <laughs> I know exactly who you're talking about. Because yes. as soon as it happened, I was like, I went backwards. I was like, wait, wait, did I miss something? What just happened? <laughs> yes. What the hell was that? Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like I'm being generous with my rating, too, you guys. I think it's because I love the first book, okay? Like, I really did. And there are a bunch of people on Goodreads and all over YouTube land that there is a very mixed, missed, oh, my goodness, very mixed consensus of this book and their feelings. They either really love it or they're like, what the hell did I just waste my life on? Yeah. Because this this book is super hyped up, you know, like Shelby gives us a bunch of like little secret snippets about like why the book is going to be great. And there was only one part of it that I was like, okay, okay. And the rest I'm like, why are you doing that to me, girl? Why are you doing that? Because now I can't trust you. (laughs) I can't, I can't trust you no more. (laughs) Um, so yeah, do you do you have another dislike? I'm sure you do. Oh, oh, I got tons. Okay, let it rip, girl. Let it rip. Okay, so I thought, and I kind of thought this in book one, and this was one of my bigger gripes in book one. Book one, I I had a four, but I probably will drop it down to a three and a half. Um, I thought the dialogue was incredibly elementary, but the stream of conscious of these characters was way more insightful. Um, I mean, some of their some of their banter was just like, if I had to read about titties <laughs> and freaking sex and just stupid banter one more time, but then they'd have these deep thoughts about, you know, is my magic making me evil? And, you know, about his family, his his new mom and his new brother. And then 
titty jokes. Hmm. Like, or sexism, if you will. You can yeah. pull that one in there as well. Because I, there are so many times where I was like, that was sexist. No one, no one saw that. No one. And then now we're having these deep, intimate conversations where it's like that's supposed to be where you're pulling the growth for these characters and applauding the writing style. And it's like, titty, titty, bang, bang over here. Like, what is, what's going on? <laughs> I didn't hate the titty, titty, bang, bang. I thought it was funny in the first book, but I didn't need it in book two. And it was at times where it was very, like, important, intense moments. And then that comes out and um oh okay we learned that reed is now a witch correct you know he was a shashar is that how you say it um you know and at the end of book one we learned that actually he is a witch and he has powers of course he does um i did not like the fact that we didn't explore Reed's magic in a deeper level. Like all of a sudden he's like having to learn how to use it and Lou's trying to like show him. And I'm like, there is no connection here. And then when he gets into a bind, all of a sudden he just knows what cords to pull, you know, to be able to get what he needs. But yet it's like causing him to be on the verge of death sometimes. Like, magic has consequence. Why are we all of a sudden just letting things happen? I don't know. I just, I wasn't impressed with that because male witches are not supposed to have magic, even though they're considered a witch. So why are we not going deeper into this? Maybe she's going to go deeper into it in book three. I'm not sure. But I was unimpressed with that. I think that was because, well, I see what you're saying, that he would use magic and then it really wasn't explained how. And I agree, like, it, she didn't really go into it. But I think because he spent so much part of the book, like, trying to denounce it or suppress it, that she was trying to go that way with this book. And then maybe his magic will be explored more. I don't know. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. My point. <laughs> um, I felt like the themes in this book were really on the nose. Specific. Well, all of them were, and I'll probably. Well, I will go into it a lot more in the spoiler edition because I try to pick out themes because, in my opinion, themes make a book critical as opposed to a fluffy book. And she's trying to be critical here. Trying is the keyword but the themes were like either said out loud and then they were just kind of forgotten about like or it was like a like a doy I know that I'm not stupid so at one point I think Devereaux like tells Reed that he's seeking a family connection well duh he (laughs) kind of spoiler he killed the archbishop that was his family so, of course, he just found his mom. He just found a brother. Of course, he's looking for a connection. It's like, so it was either a big duh or it was dropped entirely or not explored well. or And I, I felt like she dumbed down this book compared to the first book. Yeah. Which is a shame. It's a real shame. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't know if this suffers from second book syndrome Or if it's just because book one got so much hype and so she tried to go in a different way and maybe because she's trying to set it up, she felt like she had to put all these fillers. I don't know. Or maybe it's just poor writing. Don't know. I think it's all of the above. It seems to me that Sarah J. Mass is is her, her, I said whore, is her um, mentor and Jesus Almighty. And so maybe she's trying to expand her world by adding werewolves. And I mean, we already knew there was another coven. But then we got, um, what was her name? The little cuckoo one from the blood coven that kept following around. Not Coco, the other one. Two eight hearts. 
whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Helena? Yeah. Helena. I think that's her name. Yeah. I don't know. So we've added her. We've added, um, I don't know. Oh, Devereaux and his band of merry, you know, revelers. You know, she's adding all these characters to kind of expand her world. And so, you know, Sarah J. Mass did that with Throne of Glass. And I'm thinking maybe that's what she's trying to do. Maybe she's trying to get an eight book deal instead of a three book deal. I don't know. But mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that's all I yeah. got to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any more dislikes that are not spoilers. So yeah, I think my last little thing is like, I just, I was annoyed I was annoyed by some uh, some characters, um, and I won't I won't say who or whom <laughs> until our spoiler section. But um, we can go into likes. I did have one like. I actually had a lot of likes. Yeah, like I I have a little bit more too, but I think like mine in particular, without it being a spoiler, is that. I liked that the magic was darker in this book. I feel like there are some fantasy writers that like their book starts off really well. And a lot of them always try to minimize how dark the magic gets. And there was a a lot of dark magic here. There's a lot of consequences here. You know, there's this constant, um, you know, fight for good. But then they're being pulled back to the other side. Like, so a lot of our characters are struggling with that um, in this book. And I really did like that because it just, in my opinion, shows that the stakes are higher. You know, you want to be able to achieve X, Y, and Z. Guess what? It's going to be tougher than just killing this person. It's a battle within, which is, I think, where Mahirin is trying to go with that, with each of our characters who have power um, and those who are powerless. Um, how do they mature and how do they help grow each of these other individuals in their merry band? So, yeah, that's my first like. Um, actually, I had a, several likes, believe it or not, but they're like like nitpicks, if that's a thing. Just minor, minor. Um, I did feel like there were a couple of moments of introspection here, but nothing happens to it. So at one point it's towards the end and they have to read and Lou have to split again. And he says, he's talking about magic and he says, don't let it take you somewhere. I can't follow. I thought that was a really good line, but they argued the whole time. And I was just freaking over it. I don't like this couple. I don't ship them at all. And so that was one like, I liked the twins. I don't remember their names. They started with the T in the Mary band. Ernie and Tanes. I don't I don't know. <laughs> I like them. Um along with what you were saying about the dark magic, I liked her attempt at making Morgane like really dark and like willing to do whatever she can do if it even means killing innocents, like real, real, real innocence. She does not care. So I like that that creates a sense of who's next or what she's going to do now. She has no empathy. I kind of like that, that she made her um, a really good, well, I won't say a good villain, but she made her a truly evil villain. We didn't get enough of her. So that was a dislike. Um, I did like the whole tampering with memories can change you. I thought that was a good idea. I've never heard that before. Um, and that's kind of what I liked about book one. Um, in the first like five chapters, I thought book one was really good. And what I really did like was, I don't know if there was a moment, I can't remember when it was, but I don't know if it was when they were in Trembley's house or right before, but she has to take a really good memory from about Bass. And it just like really hurt her to do that. I thought that was done really well. Um, so I like this idea of, you know, your memories can change you, even though it was, um, what is it? Spotless Sunshine of the Mind. I can't remember the name of the book, but or the name, name of the movie. But it, it's kind of that idea. But, you know. And lastly, uh, the, what's it called? The Madagon, the cat. 
that kept popping up. It was kind of like there to help. Mm-hmm. The dark spirit so, is what it is. So like these dark, like yeah. these shadow animals essentially come to those that are like their, their hearts are heavy and they're in torment inside, like internal torment. So they're there to like help them. And throughout the book, that was also one of my likes is that, uh, first it's, they're following Reed and then they're following Lou. And then Lou has a whole married band of them following her. Um, yeah. So that I thought was done well, because to me that like, that just reminds me of like the whole, you know, the darkling thing, um, from God's grave, like, cause we just saw that again in, uh, the other side of the sky that we just talked about. So, um, and another one of my likes was I really did. I think that when you do a villain, like a villain has to be done well. And there also has to be like some sympathy that comes with that villain. Right. You know, that there's a, there was a point where they turned. Um, there's also moments in my opinion that, a villain goes back to like, but what if I wasn't this way, you know? And I really felt that Morgan or Morgame, however we want to say her name, um, she really stepped into this, you know, the, what is it? The mother and whatever, like the goddess. Something. Crone. The crone. The whole crone, like, uh, trio she she really stepped into her birthright and she was like I'm gonna do this I'm gonna give up my daughter I'm gonna kill her because it's gonna save us all like boom you know but then we see like a bunch of flashbacks and then it's like okay but does she still have like that love for her daughter in her heart can she ever actually truly get rid of that you know so I don't know I that was one of my likes is that I, I wrote down she's one wicked mama that girl is like always 10 steps ahead um, of Lou and Reed and uh, Coco and all of them. And it's just like, dang, they just can't, they just can't seem to get rid of her. They can't, you know, she's got, I don't know. I think it just attests to like Lou's uh, inexperience. You know, Lou isn't that old. Lou has not been doing this for years and years and years like her mother has, you know, she's not going to be a hundred steps ahead of everyone, you know? And so that also makes me think back to uh, a bunch of other characters that I've read before and they are a hundred steps ahead, but they are constantly thinking that way. They're constantly thinking about what's going to happen. There were some parts that I really liked with Coco. Like I really liked Coco and I really liked Ansel's characters. Um, Ansel was one of those people that I was like rooting for in book one and in this book. I was like, come on, buddy, come on, you know? Um, yeah. And there were just a couple other things that I was like, Ooh, that's kind of nice, but I don't want to talk about them too much because I don't want to give away any spoilers. So yeah, but that's all I have written down that I could spoil. That's all I had. Okay. So, guys, we are going to be jumping into the spoiler edition of this podcast. So, if you have not read this book, please pop out now and come back when you have read it. And we will be starting spoilers in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. All right. Okay. My first thing that I want to talk about. How does Lou, like, come into this, like, possession of where she's, like, turning, but I don't know when that switch happens and why it happens? The only thing I can surmise is that because at some point uh, Reed says, I want you to stop trading memories for... Um, to heal and to, you know, the balance thing, because mm-hmm. like I said, in the spoiler free, um, tampering memories can change you as a person. And I think she keeps doing it anyway, and it's changing her. That's the only reason I can come up with. Okay. Because I was like trying to find like that exact moment. Um, and I'm like, I can't like put my finger on it because of course, like towards the end of the book, there's something that happens to Lou and you're like, okay, well that's obvious, but she's had this downward spiral happening since the beginning. 
um, where she's having to give up memories. Because that's why we keep seeing all those moments with her and her mom when she was younger. And she's just, like, giving them away. So then maybe that's how she's losing herself. That was my first thing that I wanted to, like, talk about. Because I was like, when did that happen? Like... That's not, and that's another little plot hole, you guys. Like, it's not explained at all. There's not this moment that all of a sudden you're like, ooh, homegirl's, like, losing it. Okay, I kind of wanted to talk about the whole, that my first dislike in the spoiler-free edition where I said that this is a familiar plot with the banding, enemies banding together to fight the bigger threat. And I said that it's been done before in Game of Thrones and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, but my problem in this story is that Mahirin doesn't create a feeling of dread or like, like we, we get, we like, what's the word where you have to like hurry up and get it together because if you don't, you're all going to die. Like she doesn't build that tension at all. It's just like, oh, let's go ask those werewolves over there. They'll help us because they don't like Morgan either. Well, why? What does she do to the werewolves? Where do these werewolves come from? Why do I care about these werewolves? I don't. Mm-hmm. And so in like Game of Thrones, the biggest threat is the Night King. And for a while, we start to see what he does to Daenerys and what he does to Cersei. And you get this feeling of, oh, my God, if they don't stop him, it is complete annihilation. Mm-hmm. I never got that sense from this book that Morgaine is complete annihilation. It was just, eh, we don't like her, but we don't like you either, so peace. It, it, so I, I, and that was my problem with the, like I said, that's part of it. It's all it's all connected with the familiar plot, and she didn't really develop that well. And I think she spent so much time on Reed and Lou that she just sacrificed so much other stuff. And this was one of them. And it shouldn't have been because this is the plot of the book. You need to create some tension here. You need to create some excitement or mm-hmm. something. Never got it. Yeah, that is one of my biggest nitpicks. I mean, like, for me, because... Mind you, like I keep saying, but like I, I ate up the first book, right? Like I was like, ooh, I want to hear what's going to happen next because the story was flowing. We were moving, like the plot was going, like everything was very cohesive. And with this one, I was like, I feel like we need to be going somewhere. You know what I mean? Like there's this little urgent knock in the back of my brain, like we got to keep going. But Why? But why? But, but but why am I trying to run over there? Why am I going all over this whole entire French, you know, country and I'm going to see werewolves? Where did they come from? OK, but so so you're tying it back to Reed, right? So because Reed flew or slayed um, the, the wolf king, if you will, yeah. <laughs> they killed his son. OK, so he had to kill his son as his rite of passage. I'm sorry. What, what, like, for the Balsarda and all of that, but, like, we're learning about Reed's magical knife that he has, like, what, what? Why, why were these not hints before? Because they're brought up in the first book, and you're like, okay, obviously that, that's, that's important. But I feel like where we were traveling with Lou and Reed, it was that they're constantly fighting with each other because they're constantly at odds because Lou's going down a dark path and Reed doesn't know what the hell he believes in because he's been raised to believe something else. Now he is that something else that he was told to hate. What? How does it? So of course he's going to be moody and mopey and not know what he wants in the world. But I don't want to read about it. Like, Every single page, like, and that's what sucked is because in the first book, I I looked forward to their moments of interaction with each other. And then all of a sudden, they're, they're, they're just together too much. And they're trying to conquer these big moments in their lives that are shaping them as people and in their future. And it's like, they don't know each other. They have been together for months, just a few months. That's it. Like, how are how are you going to know what he's thinking? How are you going to say that, you know, if, if you continue to do this, like, I'm going to come after you. Like, where is this deep intimacy coming from? 
so there was like like all these little spots that I was just like, okay, you know. And then we get into the the blood witch, if, if you will, the blood witch camp, you know, where they're like they eat your blood, so therefore they can now control you and whatnot. And now Lou has to pass some tests to find this guy that's been missing. And yeah. then, where is it's this like coming from? It's like a two-year-old. It's a two-year-old. You like gotta find this guy. <laughs> it's a baby. <laughs> um, one thing that really bummed me out, and it could just be because I think we're both critical. Well, I don't think I know. We're critical readers, and so we're just kind of used to like finding themes and symbolism and everything. And when a book doesn't have it, it's it or does it poorly. It really bothers me and so I felt like this book did it poorly very poorly um in particular the nature versus nurture thing which is what I think was the overall theme of this book but the way Mahirin handled it it was like pretty simple and inconsequential mm-hmm. um nature versus nurture is a very common theme um and the way that you make it your own is you have to you know fit it into your world and your characters and it makes it special. But beyond Lou struggling with the, was I born this way or did my mom make me this way? And same thing with Reed. Was I born this way or did the archbishop make me this way? That's kind of it. We don't really see it too much in other people. And so therefore there's a limit to her theme. And like I said, she's trying to do something here, but she failed as it being critical. And I was trying to think of another book that actually did it better. And Ninth House is a book that comes to mind because it has a very common theme of I want to be somebody. I want to be something. But it's not just limited to Alex and Darlington. And the way that they deal with it is is it fits their personal journey. And so... When we meet Darlington, we see this, you know, he comes across as wealthy and, you know, charming, but he's none of those things. And he's trying so desperately to be someone that he's almost killed himself. And Alex, there were moments where she um, had these um, memories and her and her friend would, they were homeless at the time and they would go sit at a college campus and just sit on the quad and look through the catalog and just like point to classes that they wanted to take because they really wanted to be somebody. And the same thing with Sandow, you know, he felt inferior to all these teens that were in these houses and he wanted to be someone and Bellbaum and just like everybody in that book had, it was tailor made to their situation. We didn't get any of that in this book. It was very simple. It was told directly to you. Like I said, in the spoiler free where Devereaux tells Reed, you're looking for a connection at no time in ninth house. Does anybody say to anybody You want to be somebody that never happens. It's never explicitly told to the reader. You you can you can see it. You can infer. Mm -hmm. And that is what, in my opinion, makes this book a one and a half, because there's an attempt. But there's also I don't know if her publisher, I feel like her, her first book, she really tried to do something. And then her publisher was like, dumb it down. It was like a totally the first couple chapters and what's it called? Serpent and Dove. Uh It was almost as if it was written by a different person. We were dropped right into the story. We had to, which is, which is hard to do. We had to sift our way out. There were moments where, um, what's her name? Lou is like talking to us as the reader and she doesn't say everything. We kind of have to infer, I believe when she's running from Tremblay's house and Mm -hmm. she gets cornered by those two guys And right before she snaps, she has a flashback to something traumatic that happened in her life. She doesn't say what it was. And if blink, you missed it. And Uh I was like, oh, wow, this is some really good level writing here. I I like this. And then at some point, it started to turn into Big Titty Liddy. I was like, oh, okay. now we're dumbing it down. And this book really got dumbed down Mm -hmm. in the second book, in the second one. So I don't know if it's her publisher, her editor, editor. She has such potential to write critically i just wish they would just let her do it just let her do it i think someone told her not to i think literally someone told her like you need to switch this and like put more easy pickup implications as to what a theme is i'm sorry this is not a middle school book 
to be reading at all. This is a very deep book. There are deeper themes within this book. There is, you know, relational differences. There's diversity. There's there's a lot of stuff going on here. There's dealing with trauma. There's dealing with mommy and daddy issues. There's dealing with like, well, I didn't want to be thrown into this situation and now I'm now I'm in it. So what am I gonna do? Like how am I gonna overcome this? Like there is a lot of deeper issues that teen teens are dealing with. Talk to them like grown-ups that they are. They can handle it. They do not need to be force fed. You look like you're trying to figure out the meaning of life. Okay. That's blatantly obvious that that's what I'm trying to do here. I've only been struggling to do X, but you know what I mean? Um, so I agree with you there because it's the, like I said, that's why I love book one so much. That's why I was excited to read the second one because I'm like, we have something different here. There's someone that's actually trying to write something critically for a YA book. Okay, let's do it. And unfortunately, I felt like I was reading a different book. When I went into this, I was like, why am I not enjoying this as, as much as I was the first time? And I just read the first one. Like, I, I was just in this book, you know? It's not like I waited a whole year to be able to, to, to get there. So why am I getting uncomfortable? And I don't, I don't want to spend the time to read this. Which is sad, you know, and then there's there's plot holes in this book. There's a part where Reed challenges, you know, the Wolf King. Basically, if he survives, they will help them. They'll help them, you know, fight against Morgan or, or whatever. Reed gets wounded, okay, badly wounded. Then Lou freezes the ice because she's like, I got to help him because I love him. And he told her not to help her. Well, whatever. So that happens. He's still bleeding. He's talking with the Wolf King, and then they decide, oh, there's danger coming. We should probably go help them. How does how does Reed's arm get fixed? Anybody? Nobody. Nobody saw that. It's it's we're not still bleeding out on uh, <laughs> on the snow. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then uh, what is it? Seely? Is that how you say her name? Yeah, that's how I was saying it. Seely. Okay. His first freaking love, right? You know, okay. Reed's first love in book one, he gave up being with her so he could form- formally pursue this whole Cheshire's lifestyle, right? You know, and be a good little uh, mini archbishop, like follower, like doing exactly what he's supposed to do. He can't be involved in anyone, yada, yada, yada. And now all of a sudden... She's part of this plot that we have to go and save her. She's in her dead sister's coffin. Like, oh, like not the person that I thought was in there, by the way. I don't know who I was like expecting to be in there. I was, ex- well, maybe. Uh, I think I had thought it was going to be like one of um, um, Baz's sister's. That's what I was thinking because Baz Bo. is the prince. Your Bo, sorry, Bo, one of Bo's sisters. Okay, like that's what I was thinking. It had to be one of his family members, and all of a sudden this homegirl shows up, and it's like, I guess I, that I, was their way of getting John, Luke, and the Chaussiers to work with them. So now we got the werewolves, the blood witches, kind of the other witches, whatever their name is, and then the Chaucers. I, I don't. And Bo. And Bo. Let's <laughs> just throw Bo in there, poor guy. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I thought that was dumb, too. I might bring my rating down to a three, you guys. I'm oh, so no. It's, I, when I think about those moments, because I wrote them down, and I'm like, that was a big deal. That, that, that was a big deal, like, in this whole story. <laughs> you know? Let's talk about and, Ansel, because that's a big deal. What the hell was that? I was, cried. I was so angry. I didn't so cry because angry. it felt she was trying to make me cry, so therefore I wasn't going to give her the satisfaction. So I didn't. <laughs> Little indignant Dawn over here. No, <laughs> not yeah, no, I was like, no, 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 no. Because Lou 
is like, I have to save him, so I'm going to talk trash to him, so he ends up leaving. Oh, my God. For a paragraph. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And it's like, but the things that she said, I was like, girlfriend, no, this is like one of your best friends. Like he's become one of your best friends and you are just putting him through the dirt and the kid dies. His whole storyline was dumb. Like, okay, why was Lou teaching him to fight? Mm-hmm. What the hell was that? And then she only had two sessions with him and one of the sessions she was showing off. And then what was that whole thing with Coco? And she was like, oh, I kissed him because I wanted to. And bleh. what what the hell was that? Like, and then he just dies. I'm like, this poor, pointless character that she just created for nothing. Just, just, I call this emotional warfare, warfare when an author purposely puts this character, makes you love them, and then just kills them. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really have much going on except that they were a nice person and or a kid. They like to do that too, which she did. Just kill a kid. Let, let, let's get to know this little Gabby girl and let's kill her off. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was upset because I felt like we were missing pieces to Ansel's story because like, mind you, we're being told that we're supposed to like him. We're supposed to be buddy-buddy with him, you know? And there's a reason why none of the other sorcerers, well, I can't say that word, Tossiers, whatever it's called, um, they wouldn't train with him. And he kept bringing it up. And the more that he would train with her, he would get angrier. And it's like, are you just constantly reminding him how, like, minimal of support he's providing? Like, he has no magical powers. He doesn't know how to wield a sword very well. He's just there to hold the bags is what I feel like. And, you know, it's just, it's sad. It's so sad. And so he's like trying to tell her that everyone's like, no, you've got all this this potential. And Coco's stringing him along because they were trying to do a mixed relationship there. That's exactly what was happening. And you know it. Let me just put that a little bit in there. Is that what that was supposed to be? She's supposed to be Polynesian like looking and he's white. I thought she was black. I don't know. She's mixed of some sort. Anyway. Uh, I don't know the exact. Yeah. I don't know. I just. I'm like, okay, so you're dragging him along, this poor character. And then you're going to kiss him because you, you think that that's the right thing to do. Don't do that to me. No. I was so angry at that. It was pointless. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was. It, I don't know if it was meant to make him want to be even better because he was duped by the girl he loved I don't know why that was in there Mm -hmm. (laughs) um can we talk about why she sullied the name Manon Manon Uh Manon is my favorite character in Throne of Glass and she just like I don't know what she could have used anybody else she could have used Lysandra did you have to use Manon that was not okay I wasn't happy about that and then did nothing with her. Nothing. Oh, yeah, no, I was, I, so when I was reading that part, I thought, my first thought was you. I was like, Dawn ain't going to like this. Dawn ain't going to like this. <laughs> Girls being thrown through the dirt. <laughs> and they jacked up her name, too. Let me just say. They did not say her name right. In the audiobook? Mm-hmm. How did they say it? It was like. Manon or whatever like they didn't know how to say it. I was like it's Manon Manon come on you gotta let's I go think if you're French it's like Manon like Manon <laughs> our American brain is Manon but I think it's like Manon Manon there was a character on Great British Bake Off named Manon so that's yeah. why I say it like that <laughs> Uh, it was. I was thinking of that too. That's why like, yeah. I was like, oh, let's see if I said it right. <laughs> Do we want to talk about the, you know, the big final moment with, you know, uh, what is it? What is he called? The, not the dire wood. It's like the king of the wood or something. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't know the name, but I know what you're talking about. Okay. So when that came out there, 
I was like, hold up. We just got a whole deeper plot, right? So Ansel's just killed, and all of a sudden, the di- the Dire King is, uh, oh, what's his name? Devereaux. Devereaux, right? Devereaux turns out to be this king of stories or whatever, the king who does, I don't know, how, how, do you, how would you explain him? Girl, I gave up. I looked back to find who he was, and they just were like, he was like a fairy tale. Like, it was just stories that people told about this dire king. He's not real. But he has, he's like over things. He's like a big deal. And apparently Morgane is either afraid of him or, she's I don't afraid of him and his sister. Was his sister the one that had the ring first? I think so. I think. So they basically worship her, the, his sister. So maybe he is to be worshipped and Morgane is like, I'm going to do what I want. And he's like, no, you need to stop. And she don't want to follow him. And I don't know. Well, because then he pulls this line where he says to Morgane that Lou could have been their daughter, that she could have been their offspring, which I thought yeah. was weird. Because I was like, is she supposed to submit to this all-knowing, like, king of the direwood or whatever? Like, is that supposed to be the true witch's call? I don't know. I, I don't know where that came from. So I was a little bit confused because it's like, you know, it's a giant cliffhanger, right? Because we're getting thrown all this information. You're like, you know, because he's been, because Devereaux's been like, in league with Lou and Reed this whole entire time. You know, yeah. asking Reed, do, do you want to see your cards? Because it's always going to be the same. Do you want to see your fate? And Reed's like, no, I don't want to. And then he does. Well, was that ending like totally ambiguous? Like, so when Lou comes out of that cave, has she been turned into something? Cause she's just like, Hey guys, what's up? But she was like she in those caves possessed. with those witches. So she was possessed. She was possessed by Nicolina. Okay. You know, like, because then, you know, Nicolina's been wanting to get into Reed's pants this whole time, so. That's why she goes out and lays a big old fat kiss on him. Girl, I was skipping. If it didn't seem like it was important, I didn't read it. I'm sorry. This book was long as hell. That's the ending, Dot. <laughs> I was over it. Ah. I got. I, I was just trying to pick up the big pieces, and okay. I felt like I did that. <laughs> I think you did. I think you did. At least based on what we talked about, you know, yeah. my whole. You know, I think we did. We did a lot of justice to what actually happened in this story, um, as best as we could. Um, I have some projections for book three. I think that either we are going to get a more better summed up story from Maharin or it's going to be all over the place. Meaning like, because now Lou is possessed, is she going to be battling internally? Are we going to see that happen? Or is that going to just be like, all of a sudden she's possessed and, oh, we got to switch her. Like, something happened. We got to go change her, you know. Is it going to be us following that through the whole entire story? I don't know. I no, feel like... going to have to find some mermaids to switch her back. I feel like, and this is just a, a hypothesis here, I feel like because the... The men are not supposed to have witchy powers. Okay, right? They're not supposed to be warlocks. Um, I feel like Lou is going to turn into her mother, and then Reed is going to step into the place that the dire wood king is supposed to be in with Morgan. Okay. That's my thought. Because Reed is powerful. Reed is ridiculously powerful. And I want to know where 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 is this coming from? Why? You know what I mean? I know what you mean. I not shocker didn't really care enough to form some theories, so I got nothing. Okay, I can't expound on that. I will so. read book three. Don will not. I will just tell her what happened. 
That is correct. Uh-huh. Unless it gets hype, because I made her read Serpent and Dove because it was getting a lot of hype. And you liked it. But one was good. Yeah, you know what I did? I read it, and it was like a four. And then I went on BookTube, and that was a mistake. Because everyone was like, this book is trash. And I was like, you're right. And so then I looked. <laughs> You need they to not listen to them. You need they, to not listen to them, Don. No. They made some good points. Okay, well, I don't care what they say. This is what Don and Ashley say in the universe. <laughs> we make up our own rules. Okay. We don't follow the crowd. But literally, though, this book has gotten exactly how Don and I have critiqued this book. It's either you like it or you hate it. Truly. So, mm-hmm. so in our next podcast, do you want to talk about what we're talking about? Want to so what we're talking about? the like the book or what we're doing? The book. Okay, the next book we are reading is the Black Kids by Christina Hammond Reed, and I like the cover. It's a great cover. Yeah, it is about I believe her name's Ashley, isn't it? It is. Her name's Ashley. And she is a senior in high school during the Rodney King riots. And it is about that. It's about yeah. you know, how it has it's affecting her life. She is a black girl and she lives in a predominantly white suburb and all her friends are white. And then we have this riot going on. And so it's kind of like how all of this fits into her life. Mm-hmm. Um, so read it with us well not with us but you know what I mean yeah. read it and then come back and listen to the podcast mm-hmm. in two weeks yep we might have a little surprise for our universe fans coming soon our fans <laughs> our followers followers our followers yeah we might have some rebranding happening um and some more like in per not in person what the hell video <laughs> just so you can see what we look like because yeah. you can't because we're podcasting so yeah all right got anything else to add about blood and honey nope, nope. i love the cover <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't understand what was going on in that cover i was confused but <laughs> and i was looking too i like covers but i didn't i didn't understand what was happening really the cover Okay. It was nice and shiny and red. I do like the nice red shiny cover. I do too. All right. Well, that is all for this podcast, and we will catch you in the next podcast. Bye bye.